Hello and welcome to Mixbus with me, Kevin Paul. This series aims to allow some of the best producers, mixers, engineers and other music industry people to discuss their careers and their approach to music. The success of this series depends on people hearing it, so don't forget to tell your friends if you like what you hear and remember to give it a five-star rating and please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes, special offers and promotions. This episode is brought to you in association with KMR, the UK's leading independent pro-audio retailer and recorded in association with Audient and the ID44. It's also brought to you in association with FilePass, a file sharing platform built specifically for the needs of the audio industry. It allows your clients to hear your mixes in the way that you want them to hear them. Find out more at kpmixbus.com and follow us on facebook.com slash kpmixbus and at kpmixbus on Instagram and Twitter. Songwriter and producer Pascal Gabriel's career has spanned 30 years so far. From S-Express's number one hit, the theme from S-Express, Bomb the Bass's landmark album Beat This, EMF's multi-platinum Schubert Dip, Dido's mega-selling Here With Me and No Angel to later hits with Kylie, Ladyhawk, Will Young, Goldfrap, Marina and the Diamonds, Miss Kitten, Little Boots, and more recent releases including Emma Louise's second album Supercry, as well as the Temper Trap's latest album, Thick as Thieves. The first album from Pascal's newest project, Stubble Man, is an ambient electronic soundscape that amazes and delights in equal measure. Pascal, well, welcome to Mixbus. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Let's talk about your latest project first, mm-hmm. Stubble Man. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a bit about that? Well, uh, um, a couple of years ago, uh, I was looking for inspiration and I thought I would do... Uh, a, a road trip. I, w- I wanted to do a road trip uh, in the US and really go back to the places that the area and the places w- whose music had given me so much inspirations over the years. Mm-hmm. I decided that we were going to kind of basically drive across the states from, from New York State all the way to, to California in a very roundabout way. We went, we, we went across Tennessee, we did Alabama, uh, Mississippi, um, we went to many, many places. And as I always do when I travel, I took a little MacBook, uh, a keyboard, and just jotted down some ideas. Right. I also did a lot of field recordings. I always do a lot of field recordings when I travel anyway. And about two-thirds of the way of the, of the, 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 the trip, I realized, actually, I've got quite a lot of ideas there, and I should really do an album with this. This is really going quite well. I had about 40 ideas by the time we ended up in California. And I narrowed it down to about 25, which I produced and finished, and about ele- well, 11 of them made it really to the album. Uh, yeah. I've got another couple of pieces that probably I'll put out as freebies um, after the album's released. Sure. 11 tracks, really, that, yeah. that were really worth it. And so uh, I finished them off. Um, they're completely instrumental tracks, using a lot of the field recordings that I used, uh, recorded on the on the trip. It was an interesting thing because I realised, actually, if I mix the field recordings with the music from where it was created, it, it really gave it a bit of extra depth. You okay. know, it was very interesting. Like, for instance, when I did a Party Wolf, which was recorded in New Orleans, I mixed the kind of water sounds we were, we were by the river. Yeah. Um, and I mixed the water sounds with the piano and tuned them to the piano. And okay. su- suddenly I had this kind of weird underwater piano sound, Brilliant, which yeah. was which really made it kind of more poignant and suitable for the piece of music. So it was interesting. It was a project I've always wanted to do. I mean, I've always wanted to do an instrumental album ever since I started making music. Right, okay. And because I was quite 
good, I guess, at making pop music. I never had the time, you know. And as I get older, I just think I've got to take two years off and do this. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. Fantastic. Basically, and it's I mean, I listen to the album quite a lot, actually. Thank you very much. And it sounds lovely. Thank you very much. I mean, the, the soundscape and the bass. The bass is one of the things that I really love on the record. It's so big and warm. Thank you. And um, I was speaking with Gareth Jones as well. Yeah, he, he mixed it with me, yeah. Yeah, and I was, I was telling him about that, and he, he was like, oh, I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased to yeah. hear that. I guess I used to be a bass player, so it's... <laughs> the, yes. bass, the bass is important. I know you used to be a bass player with the Razors. That's correct, yeah. That's the Razors. That was, your, was that well, one of your first it bands? Was, it was the first band, yeah. Right, back in, obviously, yeah. in Belgium. Yeah, yeah. Did you go on the road trip with... With, with just yourself and your wife, or yeah, was that with just, just my wife and I? Yeah, yeah. And the sounds that you're using on the record, you, you mentioned the water. Mm-hmm. What other sort of things made the record? Like just birds, or of traffic, things, yeah, we have or bird songs. We the, people. There's a, there's a cabbie called. Well, I don't actually the cabbie. The, the cabbie. Oh, oh, there's Cavill, the cabbie from uh, Austin, but she didn't, didn't make it on the record, but she makes it on live. Uh, okay. li- live is quite a different proposition. I used quite a lot. I used a lot, even a lot more of the recordings I didn't use on the record. I used them on live. So yeah, there's birds. There's there's all sorts of things really. River sounds, obviously car sounds, road sounds, uh, yeah. people talking, knocking things, bells, uh, stuff. You know, whenever I see yeah. something that I could hit or make a noise out of, I'd make a I'd hit it and make an or scratch it or make a noise out of something. Oh wow! And then you and were then processing the sounds. Yeah, and then I process when the you sound come later. Back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've Fantastic. got the little recorder here. Uh, is it here? Actually, I'm not sure. Just like a little zoom thing, or it is exactly that. It's a it's a Sony one, but it's a very similar thing. I call it Hairy Guy for obvious reasons. <laughs> you see why? Stubble Man and Hairy Guy. Well, you see why it's called a Hairy Guy because that's what it looks like. Oh yeah, know? of course, yeah. He's a it's got a little guy. bit of hair on top. You can take a photo of him. <laughs> I will. That'd um, be great for the um, for the. Uh... And I've got this hairy. This is Hairy Guy, and I've got Hairy Guy's friend. <laughs> super hairy guy. super hairy guy yeah <laughs> and they they you know they yeah they come with me wherever i go so you just record stuff and i probably used i would say a small percentage 10 percent maybe of the field recording that i i i did maybe yeah not even that yeah but it's what suited you know what worked um, yeah it's, it's a lovely um, space it's a lovely record it just it just gives something a little bit of dirt and a bit of character and it just makes it a bit more special you know yeah and it's so and it and it, what was really interesting for me with this project is that it was so far removed from the pop world I've been involved with for the last few years. So yeah, so it, yeah. it's it was it was great. I really enjoyed it. So and it and it's really I'm really pleased it's taking off. We had a sold out show at at the the the, the South Bank's Purcell Room yeah. last week. Um, the reviews have been brilliant. We had four star in the Observer. We had a really a similar review in uh, four star as well in in Liberation, which is the French equivalent of the Observer, okay. uh, the Guardian, um, and it's it was great. Yeah, it was, it's, 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 I'm really pleased. You, I think I'll just carry on with this for a bit. Do you enjoy live performing? I do eventually. Uh, <laughs> I I get very nervous before. I think everyone does. You know, I was speaking to Ermin Schmidt not so long ago, who's eighty something, and and I was saying, you know, I mean, we, I know him well. He's he's a good friend. Yeah. And I was saying, you know, I mean, you know, what's you know, is there a secret of not being nervous? He said, nah, I'm, I'm always nervous. I've been doing it for so long. I still get really nervous. I love it, but I get nervous. And I think, well, if Ermin was 80-something, still gets nervous, I don't stand a chance. I'm going to be yeah, nervous sure. for the rest of my, my career yeah, going, think, going on things, doing life. Being so. nervous is quite good, though, isn't it? It gets the adrenaline going. And well, I think so. It, it shows that you care. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what someone said to me uh, last yeah. week. Um, 
it says that you know it, 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 it someone said you know it really shows that you care about your work and yeah. that's and that you want it to be the best it can be yeah and that's okay i can t- i can live with that that's that's a good thing you've always played in bands though right because you said you mentioned the razors mm-hmm. you had another band peach yes that was much much later that was in early yeah mid 90s yeah and that really is a time where i kind of went back to writing i mean before that between i you know, when I first came to Britain, I worked basically in loads of studios as a as a as a assistant. You yeah. know, uh, actually not that long. I worked in in two studios as an assistant, and the main one was a studio called Moody, where which was in Leighton at the time, and the owner was a was a, a guy a member of a band, and I did some demos there, and I said. Uh, can I come and just hang out, make tea? And, you know, you don't have to pay me. Yeah. And about six months later, his band really took off. And he said, here's a key. You you get on with the sessions. And he's like, I didn't know the first thing about the first thing. I mean, I was, I remember putting the, the things through the compressor and thinking, what does that do? I mean, I understood. I, understood <laughs> I can't de- hear anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I understood, <laughs> I understood delay and, and, and reverb and those yeah, kind of, of things. Yeah, of course, yeah. You, you, you know what those are. And everyone you know what understands the gate, you know. But yeah. the compressor, I was going... What the hell does that do? I mean, it's like, four I was to, like four to one. What, was, what does that mean? Yeah, I was twenty-two at the time. I had no idea, you know, uh, and I learned pretty quick, of yeah. course. And after that, basically, I became a freelance engineer, always with the reason being of being a freelance engineer that I could use the downtime to do my own stuff. That's the only reason I did it, really. Right. You know, I, I I always wanted to do my own stuff. It's not new. Oh, okay. <laughs> but ironically, when we get onto your production work, mm. your career took off. As a producer, yeah, of course, and a writer, as yeah, well. and, yeah, and you know, like we said, we mentioned in the start, I inspire carpets, EMF. Mm-hmm. Are you happy in the studio? Do you, do you like being in the studio? I love being in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that? Do you feel yeah. more comfortable in here in the studio than you do on the stage? Oh or, god, yeah. Or, yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it's my it's my domain. I, I I play the studio. That's my instrument, really. Is that something that you were drawn to initially, or is it something you stumbled well, upon by accident? It's a good question. I think. I think the thing, well, I know the, the 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 thing that really attracted me to the studio is that there were no argument with the drummer or the bass player or, or other members of the band. I was okay. the band. I could okay. do every, I could play every instrument. When I yeah. when I first started working in the studio in 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 Leighton, in it must have been eighty two, something like that, maybe even a bit earlier. Yeah. Um. I. I, it, they had only an eight track, but they had a really nice big desk, and eight track was brilliant. You know, you could yeah. you could you could bounce things, and you could yeah. you could do a whole. Well, Fostex one maybe. Uh, no, it was a Revox. Oh wow, fantastic! It was a yeah. good it was a good machine. I can't remember what it was. I think it was a Revox. Um, it wasn't the Fostex. It was way before Fostex did it. Right. It was great, and I really loved the fact that you know, you, if I wanted this drum part, I had the drum part. You know, I I recorded I, the the eight oh eight had just come up. Yeah. And so you yeah. could program things on the eight. And you could then, you know, and then the bell delay sampler thing came out. Oh, yes, so you could yeah, lock, yeah, the old bell delay, you could lock yeah. real snares sounds into it and tr- trigger the 808, whatever, you know. Um, and you spend, I spent all night after sessions just doing my own music, you yeah. know. And that was really great. I mean, that's, I love that much more than being in bands. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I don't like working with people, I love working with people, but I like, I suppose that's probably why I naturally progressed towards being a producer. Yeah. I kind of like to guide things my way to where I think it should it should the completion should be. If you in a democratic band as such, often people want to go left, right and centre and backwards yeah. and and it's very hard for a project to kind of to drive a project towards a, a, the same direction, you know? What makes a good producer of other people's music? Because you, you mentioned working with bands and the interpolitics of bands. How would you define that role? I think you you become the fifth member yeah. You need to gain their trust. 
and also not being shy of criticizing certain things and not being shy of right. of of taking things into your into of of getting hold of the reins and going this horse is going that way what do you reckon you know okay. and them going yeah okay that sounds like a good direction and yeah. they, they you know I'm saying talking very boldly here of course yeah but like for instance with the Inspirals one of the first things we did was doing loads of rehearsals with them we just went to loads of rehearsal uh, and we and and in the rehearsal room I had a drumstick and a blackboard where I'll have sections of the song like intro verse chorus second verse second, you know and yeah. so on and the, st the structure the yeah, structure yeah, the arrangement, yeah. And, I, and and you know they at times they had you know not particularly them but other bands as well have very long intro very big middle eight that just comes in far too late in the song all that sort of stuff uh, and so I would just basically as they run through the track I'd kind of go chorus and they'd go, oh fuck, chorus, we got to move. So they'd kind of, they'd be in the middle of the verse, you know, like for them. pointing at the board, going, yes. okay, chorus here, chorus here. Yeah. Now, now the middle yeah, eight, and they'd be in the middle of the verse, you know. <laughs> uh, and they'd, they'd kind of go, oh fuck, you know, and 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 but but it would just kind of, you would get the structure that flows in an interesting way, yeah. and make the song much more exciting. Yeah, you know, like for instance, I, I can't remember which song, but there was a song that we did that they had a middle eight that went on for like. 72 bars and I said that's no good <laughs> and, and we couldn't quite work out where the chord progression would fit for the chorus coming out of the middle eight so we just run to the middle eight and I just go I just did it instinctively I went woof and suddenly it worked and it was all good fantastic <laughs> you know yeah. and so you kind of you kind of work it out that way also sure. you know so in a way it's, it's, it's definitely being the fifth member it's, it's because yeah. it, when you're when you're in Making a record is very different than, than than doing stuff live. You know, live you can get away with seventy two bars middle eight because there's someone dancing and moving stuff in yeah, front of yeah, you and of the course, flashing yeah. lights. But on a record, you've got to really just be quite snappy, I think. Yeah. Especially in this kind of music. I mean, the music I do with Stubbleman is very different. Very different, you know? of course. Yeah. It's but not, there's it's a particular the yeah, exactly. It's a particular space, though, isn't it? Yeah. What about engineers in your work? Because you engineered a lot of your work yeah, yourself, I did, yeah. right? Yeah, I did it. But then, in the beginning. after a while. You maybe use another engineer yes, did, within yeah. your work. How important is that role of the engineer with the producer for you? Well, it's very important, I think. Well, for me, to, what do you mean, the role of me being the engineer and the producer? Or, or? Uh, well, that 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 is one thing mm. in itself. But I mean, more like say, if you if you're hiring, for instance, yourself and I, we worked, we did some work on Peach. Yeah, yeah. I was the engineer with yeah, you. Yeah. I wasn't mixing the record. Mm -hmm. How important is that role with the producer and the engineer? Um, well, I think it's I think it's very important because you need to trust the engineer to know uh, to, to to get things working sure, in the, in the start, way that yeah, you want yeah. it to work. Um, and the fact that I think I was a producer and an engineer, formerly an engineer, made it a lot easier for me to understand the difficulties of you know getting a drum kit set up, for instance, and yeah. getting all the, the all the sounds on it and stuff. Yeah. Um, and although I used to always do that myself for the first f few bands I produced. I engineered myself, and then I just thought, this is too much work. Yeah. I really need to delegate. I really need to sit on the couch with the band, discuss what the next thing we're going to do while the, while the engineering gets, away. Get, works away. You know, uh, And so I started using engineer yourself, one yeah. of engineers, um, uh, and uh, that made it, uh, my job a lot easier. And I think it was a very good decision because it made it much more efficient. And um, if there was any problem that the engineer was going, well, which mic should we use on this? I knew the answer, of course, because I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd use a 58 on that, you know, yeah, let's be yeah. the 58, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and that, so that's very useful. It's, it's an important relationship, isn't it, the engineer oh, and the definitely. producer? Yeah, yeah, very much so, yeah. I mean, there has to be a lot of trust there. Sure. You know, and of course, me being kind of, a, what's the word, uh, 
perfectionist, but I think every producer is. Yeah, I don't always go walk around and go, yeah, yeah, maybe move that off an inch, move that one, off. and that's uh, yeah, yeah, maybe put a baffle there, you know, and because that's what you do, you know. Well, I mean, you're not alone there. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we all do that. You produced all those bands, had great success with all of those records, and then you went into songwriting mm-hmm. with other people. That for me strikes me as being quite a different thing. Were you writing lyrics, top line, music, melody? Usually, usually music. Uh, it depends. Um, I, to come back on your question and, and discussing this, uh, I already co-wrote as expressed and mom the bass stuff. Yeah. You know, so I, I, writing was already part of my thing. And, and your as repertoire an, as well. a as an artist when I was doing before I had success with as expressed and mom the bass, and I was using the downtime in all the studios I worked yeah. in. I did my own stuff and wrote loads of stuff. None of it that ever was released. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so, but 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 I I I knew about writing and I wanted to express myself into writing. Yeah. But I guess because and I wasn't really you know uh, about to look at look at the gift horse in the mouth. But when I had a massive success with Express and Mom Davis, and I was offered lots of bands that I produced because bands usually have their own songs, I stopped writing quite naturally right. because yeah. production production came. You know, and yeah. so I had like six or seven years between. 89, 88, 89, 95, yeah. where I basically just produce, 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 produce. Yeah. And came about 95, I decided that I was going to stop just doing production and go back to writing because really production at the time, rightly or wrongly, I saw it as sometimes you were polishing certain things that weren't actually correctly written. And really the writing part is is really the, the nuts and bolts. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's a little bit... I don't know. It's a bit like uh, you. Someone gives you the parts to a car, and you know some of the parts have failed, you know, and then and yet you have to put the car together. That's sure. what you do when you produce sometimes. Yeah. But when yes, you, of course. Yeah. But when you write, you can go. Well, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna have that wheel. I'm gonna have this new wheel, yeah. and I'm gonna have this steering, and I'm gonna have this. You know, you because you created, you you invented, you invent every nuts and bolts of the music that you're creating, and so I find it much more satisfying to cut a long story short. Sure. And so after that, from '95 after Peach, from Peach onwards, actually. I only really did, by very few exception, produce the stuff I co-wrote. Yeah. Uh, from then until now, actually, for the last 20... So many years? Wow, about 25 20 years. years. Well, that sounds like a long time, doesn't it? Almost 25 years, yeah. So I only really had, like, I would say 10 years of, 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 engineering, of production uh, and engineering, yeah. and then 20, now 25 years of... of, of, <laughs> of do, uh, do, do you remember your first success in writing? Peach did well. Peach is very well. Peach, Peach, yeah, Peach in, we in had America, a, we had, we had in the you had the sliding doors thing. Yeah, and we had we had top forty in the states. Yeah, and then we had a song with Dot Allison that did really well. Yeah, uh, called Close Your Eyes, I think. Yes, that's right. Close your eyes, and then of course Dido. Yeah. I mean, when Here with Me came out, it was how did that? Well, my my publisher w- was introduced as she is yeah. Volo's sister. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and she was singing backing vocal in Faithless. Faithless were doing well. But she was only a backing vocalist for Faithless, and uh, she wanted to do her own solo career. Her uh, her publisher at the time introduced her to us, and and we listened to the stuff she was doing, and she was doing really something that wasn't very. I didn't really like what she was doing at the time. She was doing kind of coffee table house music, which okay. like house music a bit soft and a bit yeah. kind of like sort of jazzy twen- or twenty sort shop of... twenty shop sort of sort of jazzy house yeah. music. I met up with her. I thought she had a brilliant voice. Clear, that was clear. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we discussed what she liked, and she said, "Yeah, well, you know, I'm." I was, she was kind of doing that because she said she was doing that 
because of her faithless and the thing that she was expected mm. to be doing. And was she said, surrounded, you she really was surrounded want... by that, wasn't Exactly, she? and yeah. I said, what do you really want to do? And she said, I'd love to do something like Twin Peaks. And with, so like oh, the right. Twin Peaks back in track. Yeah. So we then, her and this other co-writer called Paul and, and I basically came up with this kind of whole back in track for here with me in probably an afternoon. So it Amazing. was it really slow down, really slow, really mellow. And I had a really dirty drum loop, which I actually made it on the final record. And that was it, you know, and suddenly this kind of like, because everyone at the time was really into much higher tempos than what we're doing. Yeah. We were doing like 80, 90 BPM and everyone's doing 120, 130, kind of housey, but a bit kind of like cool house, you know, not yeah. hands in the air sort of house yet. That didn't interest me because I'd been there and done that yeah. <laughs> sort of yeah, thing, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, I, so with Dido, it was cool. It was a good meeting of minds, you know. She she decided that she that's that the more mellow and more chanteuse thing was much more her thing, and quite rightly because she has a brilliant voice, you know. Yeah. When we did here with me, it was just a few takes, you know, really good. Like she's one of the very few singers I've ever worked with where where you you do a take and you think, fuck, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> like early on, you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Really, yeah, that's, really. That's early always on. a godsend, isn't it? Yeah. Then you're already quiz in, you know. You're already. Yeah, you're halfway you're, there. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that really made a massive difference. Did Dido have the lyrics? She did. Yeah. I mean, you? with Dido, we did just the music. And what about if you're working with artists where there is no lyrics? Well, do you do? Then, do, you do, uh, do you do a lot of We do of lyrics that? together. Yeah, okay. yeah. We do lyrics together. How do you write lyrics for Kylie? Well, Kelly again wrote, wrote <laughs> tends really, really tends to write her own. I don't think we really got involved with with that much of the lyrics. I mean, you know, we're writing in the afternoon usually. By the time we if we do a song over a couple of days, the first afternoon we're kind of doing the basic chorus, you know, uh, uh, lines, uh, and so we share ideas and she'd, we'd go, okay, maybe we can, you know, what's the what's what could this next line be? And actually, we'd say maybe, oh, maybe that line's actually that's a chorus now, so good, that's better okay. than than I don't know what Whatever, the lyric yeah. was, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we're getting involved in that way with with other artists that not Carly because she did, really does tend to write a lot of uh, all of, all of her stuff that she did with us anyway. Apart from one actually that we 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 got a song released with her that was a completely finished song. So okay. that was a different yeah, thing altogether. Some gave it to uh, her, yeah. Yeah, um, but but with other artists, we I have a telephone and a book full of titles and lines, and uh, so okay, like an ideas book. Yeah, like are you an ideas book. Are you constantly yeah, every, writing down, yeah. like if you're travelling. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Pick the phone yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And so you'd say, like for instance, oh, what should we call this one? And I'd think, oh, this is a kind of like really dark, groovy song. Let's call it Penkiller. And so painkiller would be a title and go, okay, painkiller, I don't need any painkiller because when you're around, whatever, you know, yeah, sure. suddenly, so, so what you need is like just that one ID, really. I, I, I have, I've worked extensively with, with top line writers as well. And they always, the good ones, always come up with books full of lyrics. Right. You know, they've okay. got, they would have painkillers plus, you know. Plus, like, yeah, and all, all words associated with, the whole with thing, And they'd have, they'd have a ve positive version, like, you know, when you're around, I don't need painkillers, or when you're oh, around, right. I really need painkillers. Wow. So they'd have both versions, you know, a positive and a negative. So they'd, they'd Very have, good. They'd have they'd re, their job is really the top line and the lyrics. Uh, and, and my job is really the, the music and the production. Um, and so that's really how it works generally. Okay. But we. But obviously, we, yeah. you do you yeah, do everything. Yeah, and they do everything. I mean, sometimes you know, top liners can say, "I think we need different court there. Maybe that's that would make, make it more whatever." You know. So, yeah. So it happens that the other way around. When when you're doing your own stuff, like when you're writing a song all by yourself mm -hmm. or for for someone else, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I've asked this, but where do you start? Do you start with the top line? Are you starting with the chords? 
Depends. Uh, Is it just whatever usually, takes you? Have you got a groove going on the computer? You know, sometimes, no, yeah, both, all those things. I mean, sometimes I sit on the on the Verlitzer or the piano and and I think, oh, this is nice, this is moody, you know, uh, this this is this is good, or this is a good bass line, or is this a bass line, or actually that could be the riff, or you know, right, okay. you just start with something. You so, you, so you don't rule anything out. No, you're not noodle. ruling anything out. Noodle, you're, just, you're just noodling and you're just yeah. jamming some ideas. Do you come into the studio with a with the focus of do it, finishing something or starting something or do you do you set yourself an agenda it uh, depends on the day depends yeah. what's depends what's required i mean if i've got say say this today is monday and on wednesday i've got uh, kylie and the top line writer coming in or someone else could, yeah. you know coming in um a uh, vocalist type person coming in i'll yeah. just get some a couple of ideas for them sure and and before that we'll have met anyway and i'll know what they expect so right i'll do something in a kind of you know, alternative rock if that's what they do, or yeah, something yeah. mellow if that's what they do. Or, but I always try to kind of take them a little bit out of their comfort zone as well, because that, I think that makes things a bit more exciting. You know, well, so, that's very much part of your ethos, isn't it? In the studio, right back to the production, you always try to push, make it more exciting. You push yeah, the bands yeah, of course. A little I mean, bit. you know, bands can be very kind of safe. Yeah, but they feel very happy where they're comfortable. And I notice from from your production work that you always try to push them. Yeah, it depends on the band, of course, but generally I think it's it makes it more fun and more exciting for everyone if if you go explore a bit unknown territory. Yeah. you know, well, good, good I mean, for me out. as well as yeah. for them, you know, yeah. um, and that's true of band artists, co-writers, anything like that, you know. Yeah. I mean, when you've had some, sometimes you have artists that go come in and they say, "Oh, we can't write anything negative," you know, we can't have "don't," we can't have. No, we can't have knots. We can't have, and I just go. So no. they actually say that. Yeah, they, and I just okay. say, look, this is silly. You know, this is really silly because don't you know, say that. You know, <laughs> don't you know? I don't know. Don't rule it out. Yeah, I don't like reggae. You know, I love it. It's yeah. a, it's a great record. You know, it's brilliant. But but you can't yeah. say you can't say oh you can't say that's what what if they said I just love reggae that would have been a really boring record. Yeah, sure. You know? oh, yeah. So yeah, so, yeah. so it does it doesn't you can't you know sometimes people come up with stuff like that and you think don't give yourself barriers before you've written a note. Okay. You know, that's good advice. No yeah. barriers. You know, no barriers. just go go for it. No, don't go. Well, we have to have this this minute. It, it, you might have something that you don't really love this minute, but you might navigate you towards something that's really brilliant and really unusual, and you don't even expect. Yeah, that's my you know my view. I think. That's your view. Yeah. What makes a good lyric? Metering is important. The metering of the lyric. The is metering. Important. Yeah. Okay. The way the metering is important. I think it's important to have a metering where where the syllable and the vowel fall in the right place. Okay, so you talk, uh, it's, it's about the phrasing, the yeah, timing the of, phrasing, the, of the lyrics. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The phrasing is really the important. melody, the rhythm of the lyric. The yeah, the rhythm yeah. of the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. And and if it's if it's misphrased, I think it sounds a bit weird and odd. Yeah. I think that's skewed uh, and very important. Yeah. Uh, of course, what makes a good lyric is what it says. You know yeah. what the message is. You know. Do you like do you like your so I mean is is it fair to say maybe that if you're doing a sad song you try and make it really sad sure. or if you're doing a happy song you are you looking for those extreme emotions in your music what, in making the mu in the music yeah maybe I mean I don't know I mean here with me for instance is not a sad song but it has a quite sad progression yeah and it is yeah but it's it's really about about longing for someone, you know. Uh, yeah, um, and that's right. I mean, that, isn't that what half of pop songs are? You know, <laughs> probably more than you half. Know? Probably more longing for someone, in... longing for something. Yeah, not being able to get something you want. Yeah, you know that's, that's kind true. of 
or someone you want, you know, that's kind of what pop is about. Yeah. You know. Let's move on from that and let's talk about your you have a publishing company, don't you, called yeah. Cobalt. Yeah, it's not mine, but I'm. I've got no, my, no, but your, your publishing is, yeah. is your publishing is with Cobalt and with Mute as well, actually. Mute, and with so. Mute, okay. Yeah, both. Cobalt are doing something quite different in the industry, mm-hmm. aren't they? Um, their their business model is quite a different business yeah. model. What's it like working with them? Brilliant. Yeah, they're really really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're great. They're really good. I mean, the really nice thing for. For me as a as a writer, and uh, is that I've got yeah I have my own publishing company called Angel and Maverick, and that's the company that we have. But it's licensed to we license yeah. all the catalog to Cobalt, and Cobalt charged me a a, 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 a very reasonable rate for yeah. doing it. So, um, but I still own my copyright. It's all my copyright. I have my copyright back from years back, uh, and it's really worth it. Um, and that's very important, isn't it? And I, I I do remember. I mean, you know, publishers aren't going to like me saying that but but i think it's but i think it's really important for artists to hold on to their publishing as long as as long as they possibly can afford to you know that's one of the few ways today for artists to earn revenue isn't it really well not even one of the few ways possibly the way. that, the and way. Live. that and live so if, if uh, you know if you if you get too old or fed up with touring live you need that security yeah from your own music it's your and pension it's, yeah exactly and it's, it's yours it's yeah, your creative yeah, yeah. Your creative work, you know? yeah, absolutely. I mean, compared to, I mean, it's, it's thank God I've been writing for thirty years, you know, because because if it wasn't for my 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 copyrights, I, I you know my publishing my uh, production royalties are peanuts really now, comparatively speaking to yeah. my to my publishing rights. Yeah. And and I do remember years ago we were working this. I won't name the artist or the publisher, but but there was an artist we were working with who became very very successful, and she was offered I think a fifteen grand publishing deal or something like that, and we said to her, no. Nah, you know, just don't do it. Don't. Yeah. It's just not worth it. Fifteen grand. You know, the reason they're giving you fifteen grand is because they think you're gonna make it. You're gonna make them a lot more than that. Yeah. So she held on. For, I think for a couple of years after that, she did sign the publishing deal at the end, but she signed. She signed it for two hundred and fifty grand, which was wow. <laughs> which was much better. For a lot her. better, yes. You know, yes. but but she still signed it. But but saying that, you know, I think it's imp- I think it's important that. It's important to put, put, put things in perspective as well. I mean, I signed my publishing deal at some point. I signed several publishing deals over the years, but, but when I signed the, the, one of them, uh, it was, I needed the money, you know. I, yeah. it, was, it was a dip yeah. in my career. I just needed the money. They gave me 35 grand. It allowed me to write for a year and live on that 35 grand. And thank God, during that year, I, I, made, I made a lot of money out of co-writing with other people. Um, but, uh, you know, with the artist I co-wrote with became very successful. So suddenly the ball was rolling uh, yeah. again. Um, and in a long career like mine, you always have the ups and downs. You know, there's always... It's a bit inevitable, like, it's, isn't it? It's a roller coaster. Yeah. And so I'm not dissing the publishing company at all. I think the publishing companies have got their place and, and their investment in young writers is very important. Yes, of you course, know? yeah. Um, I think they becoming really much more important than the record companies now because record companies don't really sign people very much and if they do it's for very little money and they don't have because records don't sell they don't have any money to spend on 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 the release marketing wise etc yeah. it becomes much the budgets are, are so Peanuts, cut really, yeah, pe- yeah. for recording an album when i record an album in my heyday you'd have 200 grand budget yes. to record an album remember, now if yeah. you have 20 you're doing quite well you yeah, know? I, I agree I you agree. know and it's kind of so it's 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 much more difficult uh, for record companies to to be to be proactive, of course, because they don't they don't have the money comparatively speaking. Yeah. Um, so publishers have if now if got into that game, which is a good thing, I think. You know, 
let's just talk a little bit about people wanting to get into the industry and maybe if you can shed some advice for writers or want to be producers what sort of advice would you give in terms of starting your career learning to write songs because i think maybe you have to learn to write songs it's not something some people are very talented at it but some people have to learn the craft Mm. and it's the same with production Mm. Um, have you got any sort of advice for people trying to get into the industry about the creative process and and apart from don't apart from that. <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's a valid one no no, no 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 i'm joking i'm being facetious um well i think i think you've got to be prepared to work way harder than in any other job yeah. um because it's very competitive and and you know you will have many many people you will encounter on the way trying to steer you left right center and, and you will you could easily lose your way you have to have a very very strong mind if you're an artist i'm talking about you know that's what yeah. you're talking about isn't it yeah uh just you have to have a very strong mind a very strong uh will of what uh, and a very strong idea of what you want and also be prepared to make compromises but don't make too many compromises okay. because you can easily lose lose your ways because yeah. some you know you might say i'm you know my type of music is red stripe i just want this red stripe in the middle of the record that's what it is what my music is going to sound like yeah. but you'll have management record companies publishers colleagues friends the cleaning lady in the record company yeah. all going well maybe red stripe is good but maybe you should have a bit of blue spots in there or maybe you should have some green and you will add those things and it might water your thing down right it might not be as strong as it was sure. um on the other hand it's your choice at some point you'll have to decide whether actually that enhances your id or does it distract from your id and that's really important for you as an artist to know where you stand and yeah. what you like and what you want to be regardless of success yeah well i think that's that's very longevity is really much more important i think than success and and uh than instant success you know so don't don't sell your mother just to have a hit basically right you know think of your career long term yeah what's your favorite piece of equipment in the studio apart from the computer yeah apart from the computer a computer is a piece of equipment but apart from the computer it kind of depends what I'm doing. If I'm writing, for instance, yeah. it will be that looper that's just behind you there. This, this one. This one up here? Yeah. This one. Yeah. RC505, boss. Oh, yeah, okay. Five, what, what, five loopers in it. The um, RC505, what, what does that do? It's five, basically five loops. Okay. With five volume uh, faders. I like it because if I'm composing, I have that connected to that. Uh, a piano or to yeah. my piano in France or with a couple of mics on the piano and I just don't look at the computer sure I just I just noodle and I go fuck that was good are oh you, yeah that's good that's the best are you line. always recording or? I'm, I'm, I'm not always recording okay. but if I do something good I just I think oh that could be a bass line oh I'll loop it done I'll do the chords on top of that bass line now excellent and it's just all it's all very very creative it's not like oh stop logic go to New the next track, track. Yeah. you know it's yeah. it's really quick very and instinctive, very and instinctive, very instinctive, yeah. and you're not distracted by looking at a screen. So I really oh, like okay. that. So for writing sketches, I use that a lot. Okay. For production and recording, I like the UAD, that UAD. Um, where is it? That UAD there. Of the compressor, the yeah. LA six ten. LA six ten, yeah, that's really great. I use that for all the, all the time. That's um, is that that's an old one though, right? Yeah, it's yeah, for, that's, yeah. that's an that's an that's an original one. Yeah, yeah. I use that, and I use the Sansamp. For distortion. For distortion. 
for distortion on vocals, on guitar, on bass, on yeah. drums, on it's so the, the Rachman version. Yeah, that's the old, just, old original yeah, one, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really great. I yeah. use that all the time. Excellent. <laughs> it just makes things dirty. And the last thing I use is the overtones. The, for monitoring? Yeah. Okay, just so brilliant. for mixing or just yeah, even yeah, just yeah, writing? Yeah. Yeah, no, for mixing. Yeah. For writing, the NS10s are great. You just blast them up and you get really excited. Um, but for mixing, I, I use the overtone for, for like accurate middle range, uh, you know, balancing. It's, yeah. it's nothing better. I've got a very good amp. I've got a Bryston amp for, the, for them. Yeah. And I, it sounds, they sound really fantastic. Even yeah. The well, NS10s sound great. With yeah, the they're very good with the Bryston, aren't they? Um, very good. And that's kind of, you know, that's really, I would say they're the tools I really would miss. Uh, everything else is just synths, you know. I mean, I love millions of synths. They all good for different things. Well, you've had, you've probably had them all, haven't you? At some point, yeah, they probably, probably passed yeah. through your fingers. Yeah, the only one I've never had is a surge, but I'm kind of. You're looking for one. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, can, you can get modular parts now. You can get modular modular versions of surge. Oh, really? So I might get that. I I don't like to try not to break the flow. You know, I mean, if you're into a flow, I mean, it's. I find that you know, for instance, I mean, I've, I've got my studio at home. And I always uh, working at home is very easy to be distracted. Yeah. But uh, I've, you know, I've said to my wife many, many, many years ago that if I'm here in the studio at home, I'm not at home. Okay. I'm kind of like I do like what Magritte does almost. You know, Magritte used to kind of he had his studio above his house. Yeah. And he would come out of his house with his sandwich box and walk around the block, come back in his house, go upstairs, <laughs> and then do the other way around in the evening. So he wasn't at home yeah. effectively, even though. It, geographically he was yeah. um, and I think that's really important to not don't get distracted you know that's one thing I really loved about my having my studio in my second studio in the south of France and when artists come and work there they're so much more productive because they have no distraction no managers booking them a meeting in the morning yeah. you know people popping in all that stuff they're just there to relax and write tunes yeah. you know and it's 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 worth its weight in gold. I think that it's, yeah. especially in big cities, there's always distractions for artists. You know, they come in and the manager will call them and say, "Can you do this photo shoot? Can you do that? Can you?" You know, yeah. they'll pack as much things in their day as possible. If they and that and then they they wonder why they why the tune that we've come up with isn't as as complete as as it could have been. Yeah. Isn't that well? You know, <laughs> there's, there's too many too many phone calls. Too coming many in. too many things happening. You know. Well, what about the phone in the studio? Do you, do you oh, kind I of it. yeah. If an artist answers the phone in the middle of me working on the track, yeah, I'll, you won't be happy. I'll very politely t say, "Can you turn your phone off or get out of the room, please?" Because it's just you know, it breaks the flow. You know, I think when you're in a studio, um, you I always compare it a little bit to, especially on the when you when you're writing in the creative process of writing, um, you you it's a bit like you're entering a submarine. You know, you have a cup of tea outside the studio, then yeah. you enter the submarine, and then after an hour or an hour and a half, you're down, and you you're in the bottom of the ocean, and it's your your it's just you and the elements. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just you you and the artist and the music that you're creating together, and suddenly the phone rings, and the manager says, "Oh, you won't guess what happened." It's like that's it. You're back on surface again. You yeah, know? sure. And that's really no good. You yeah. know, um, um, so I, I, uh, I kind of tend to say five hours, phone off, you sure. know, if possible. Thank you very much for spending my pleasure a short time with me. It's been great to see you after all these years. And uh, thanks very much for coming on the Mixbus. My pleasure. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Mixbus with me, Kevin Paul. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to the whole series on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to join me for the next episode, and until then, goodbye.